John Fry was a man with controversial opinions. He had shocked the House of Commons with his unorthodox theology. He had written pamphlets that had been burned for their profanity, and he sincerely believed that beheading King Charles had been a very good idea. Naturally, his schismatic views had earned him enemies, and he suspected half of England would be delighted to learn he was laid low with the flux. Through the sickbed window, he could see the gently rolling hills and corn-rich fields that surrounded his house. He could see the river, too, glints of silver between a line of noble oaks, which made him recall the many hours he had spent there as a youth, reading, filling his mind with philosophy and political theory. He sighed, bitter in the knowledge that all his learning and dedication had been for nothing. He had fought bravely in the civil wars, but his dream of a republic had turned to ashes. Cromwell had transpired to be a worse tyrant than the king, and his regime every bit as oppressive. Fry had been told, quite categorically, that if he penned another contentious tract, he would be sent to prison without the courtesy of a trial. His thoughts stirred him from his sickly languor, giving him the strength to sit up against the pillows. No, he would not be silenced by Cromwell or his bullying Puritan henchmen. It was his moral duty to point out the flaws in the current government. So that was what he was going to do. Filled with sudden vigour, he called for his wife to bring him pen and paper. She regarded him uneasily, but did as he asked. As soon as they arrived, he began to write and he did not stop until a veritable mountain of letters lay on the bed beside him. Find a fleet-footed servant to run to the post office, Anna, he instructed, as he signed the last one. The London mail leaves within the hour, and I want these missives to be in the hands of their recipients by the end of the week. Gingerly, Anna picked up a few and read the names. Major Smith of Hounslow. Henry Wood of London, Major Wildman in Amsterdam. She looked into her husband's bloodshot eyes. But these are all notorious malcontents who want Cromwell deposed. She spread the letters in one hand like a fan. Yes, Fry gripped Anna's wrist. And they are right. It is time to be rid of him. I had such high hopes when we won the war. But Cromwell's rule has degenerated into a military dictatorship, and we cannot accept it any longer. It is time for another rebellion. Anna regarded him in alarm. But if he is ousted, who will take his place? Do you want the monarchy restored? No. Fry was shocked by that notion. These last fifteen years have convinced me more than ever that the only sensible form of government is a republic. We cannot have yet another petty despot dispensing unfair laws. I want democratically elected representatives. Anna pulled away from him and gathered all the letters. Her husband was a passionate and determined man. If anyone could set the country alight, it was him. And perhaps this wave of determination meant that he was not as ill as she had feared. She felt tears prick as she stared at the missives in her hands. What they contained could bring misery and hardship to countless thousands again. 
yet more harsh years of violence, hatred, and anguish. She was tired of uncertainty and conflict, and while Cromwell was far from ideal, he did bring a measure of stability to a war-weary nation. Hurry, good wife, said Fry softly. There was compassion and understanding in his eyes. He knew why she hesitated. Or you will miss the post. And then help me dress. There is much to be done if we are to succeed. But within two weeks, John Fry was dead. Speculation was rife. Had he left his sickbed too soon? Had he been assassinated because the letters he had written had caused such a stir? Or was he not dead at all, but had gone into hiding, so that he could mastermind his plan without interference?